The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of the Burl Cauley Leadership Training. And I'm really looking forward to this session. We're going to um, hear about the Chicago Lighthouse. But before we do that, uh, Monica is going to give the CEU codes. And Monica, can you tell us how many people we have on Zoom? Yes, I can. We have, including panelists and attendees, we have 13. Okay. And I will give yep. you the first CEU code. I'll say it twice. It is zero five zero four six. Again, the beginning CEU code is zero five zero four six, and I'll give the ending code towards the end. Thank you, Miss Donna. Uh, this is Ray Campbell. Uh- First Vice President of, of ACB and also a member of the Borough Collie Leadership Training Committee, uh, chaired by Donna, who tries to keep us all in line. And um, this afternoon, this is really an honor for me because I get to interview and talk with a good friend of mine who I had the pleasure of working with for about uh, three and a half years or so at the Chicago Lighthouse for People Who Are Blind or Visually Impaired. And what we're going to talk about today is kind of going through how how a leader at an agency went through the pandemic kind of you know what came out of it and what tips maybe a leader she might have for other leaders this afternoon this morning and this afternoon to speak with us we are honored to have Dr. Janet Slick who is the president and CEO of the Chicago Lighthouse for people who are blind or visually impaired and Janet First question I'm going to ask you is just tell us a little about yourself, how long you've been at the Lighthouse, and anything else you'd like to share. Great. I'd just like to start off by thanking Ray. He's one of my favorite people ever because he is so innovative, uh, so knowledgeable, so willing to always learn. He's a lifelong learner, uh, very inquisitive, very intelligent, and it was a pleasure working with him at the Lighthouse. And then he was launched to United Airlines. So we are so proud of him. We celebrate when people take that next step and obtain their dream job. And we know that he had the skill and the talent and we knew that he would be launched sooner or later, Ray. Um, I want to ask how many, it's a pleasure to be here at the, as part of the Borough Collie Leadership Training Program. Is that correct, Ray? Wonderful. And I just want to find out how many leaders or future leaders or those who have leadership interests are in the room. (laughs) A lot of you. So you're in the right place. Uh, So as Ray said, I'm Janet Slick and I've been president and CEO. I've had the privilege of leading a great iconic organization that has existed for 117 years. I have a small window of time that I have been in leadership, but it's as LinkedIn says, it's 14 years, nine months. So um, you knew that. Um, And because we're LinkedIn friends Um, and, you know, it's, 
it's it's been a whirlwind. I knew that the lighthouse was a resilient organization that was able to withstand two world world wars, uh, the Vietnam War, the crisis in Iraq, um, and we have come out and remain strong. When I came on board in um, late 2008 and took the reins from the great Jim Castellut, my predecessor, the recession had hit and we needed to come up with alternative revenue sources. So I was um, really set on getting a self-sustaining system that would not only provide jobs, but provide revenue for an organization to sustain itself over the next century. And so we set about reviewing state opportunities, RFPs, commercial opportunities, and ended up developing a social enterprise. So that's been um, my labor of love. Um, We ended up having the pandemic, and I'm sure Ray is going to ask me some questions about the pandemic and those challenges that existed then. But it took a lot of teamwork. And as you know, identifying the right talent that could assist. It's it's great to identify talent and expert and content areas, but always understanding that the person has to be flexible enough to wear many hats of the lighthouse because we don't have endless resources. So individuals have to be ready to assume other duties as assigned or seen and to be self-starters. So that's what we've been doing. We have 40 programs um, that in the categories of rehabilitation, education, and employment. Right now, we employ 800 people receive a Lighthouse paycheck, and a third of whom, actually 34%, are blind, visually impaired, disabled, or veterans. So the priority the is always to advance people with disabilities. We are disability inclusive advocates, and that's our mission, and we live by it. About 10% of our employees, 5 to 10% at any one time, are veterans as well disabled and non-disabled. All right. Well, Janet, thank you. And I did not pay her for all those nice comments. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Um, So you kind of segued nicely. So in March of 2020, the world was thrown into a challenge that I don't think any of us had ever seen. We had the COVID-19 pandemic. We had governments all over telling people, stay home, don't go out. We close schools, all kinds of things. And, you know, depending on your perspective, Governor Pritzker in the state was quite uh, either quite uh, careful or quite uh, controlling, whichever your thought is. And people have different thoughts about that. What were your biggest concerns as we went into that period for the lighthouse's ability to serve people? And how did you how did you go about addressing those? You know, it's so important to say. Uh, Ray, it was a scary time for all. But as a leader, I knew, again, the ship is not going down on my watch. And I need to address the circumstances. And I was home for two weeks. And my husband and daughter um, worked from home. So there was an added need for me to get back into the office. But as a leader, I needed to get back into the office to make sure that we were coordinating all efforts within the agency. And we did that in phases. So the leadership team came back within a week. So we shut down March 17th of 2020. And I was the last one to leave 
the lighthouse and it was very sad. I can recollect that day. I walked around to make sure that everyone was gone and I thought, Oh, whoa, this is, this is real. This is a situation that we all have to deal with. So, so what we did was, um, our leadership group, because that's what you need to do in a crisis. And you put what we did was we put on our masks and we went into the office. We have a 110,000 square foot facility in the Illinois Medical District and we distance ourselves and we kept abreast of the changes in the health um, concerns that were coming from Dr. Arwa and Wadi um, from the state and also from Governor Pritzker and also from Dr. Fauci. And we bought the world's largest supply of plexiglass, modified our building so everyone would be separated in the cafeteria, the common areas within our industries program. And we were back up and running. The first group to come back is Chicago Lighthouse Industries team, the manufacturer of clocks since 1977. We've manufactured uh, over 7 million clocks but it's also other products and it's part of the ability one program, which is a program that has been acted enacted by Congress to allow organizations that employ people who are blind to have the sole procurement for various products. And our major signature product is clocks. That group is a family. There are 45 people at Ray knows in our industries program. They're close knit. So we're talking about coming back. So we phased um, leadership and then our industries program, um, our doctors are in it. We have a uh, low vision program, the most comprehensive in the country that provides low vision optometry, blindness rehabilitation, visual impairment evaluations, assistive technology, demonstrations and training, um, uh, orientation, mobility, occupational therapy, psychological counseling. That was moved to remote. Um, and we were doing that remotely. And the, 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 um, obviously the psychological counseling, uh, remains to this day, the remote telehealth. And we've expanded the telehealth program at the lighthouse as a result of it. Um, so we were back completely up and running by June. Um, our Jeanette Banzani and I, that's what I said about flexibility, wearing many hats. We made sure that every person received a paycheck during that period. Um, they, they were continuing to pay their bills, pay their mortgages. And what was nice, the customer service industry that we had developed as a result of the recession that I talked about, that social enterprise where we provide customer service. So it's call center services and other services for the major hospitals in the Chicagoland region and beyond. Um, that's pandemic proof. So. We were, we were so fortunate to produce a business where we could send our employees working at home through, it's the beauty of Amazon Web Services Cloud, um, where we set up the desktops remotely. Our IT team did that, and we moved our workforce, 400 remote employees who are working specifically in customer service remained at home. So the building was further open because we didn't have as many people in the building. And that has also remained to this day. 60% of our workforce um, uh, in the customer service industry, 400 employees remain working from home. We do training, refresher, and that's produced a whole new set of challenges to connect with 
um, remote employees. But we're very proud of the the lighthouse. We provide meaningful wages. Everyone is paid well above the city of Chicago minimum wage. And in addition, reads um, we implemented a robust pension program and other programs to make sure that people are taken care of. We also have loan programs for those who need to maybe get into new apartment or they might have lost their rent payment and need some assistance. We provide that as well. So we are a wrap wraparound comprehensive organization that adapted quickly. You know, a lot of people call me crazy because I, you know, put on a mask and went into the back to work. But that's, I mean, I think it's as a leader, you have to do what you have to do. Thankfully, I take a lot of vitamins. I've always, um, you know, as a leader, you have to be concerned about your health and maintaining your health. But I was thankfully strong and able to go in there and I knew I had to do it. I had to save the organization once again. And as I told my husband, if I'm not going to go in there 150%, I'm not going to go in there. And um, so it's a 24-7 position that I hold at the Lighthouse and take it very seriously and have grown it from an organization of less than 200 people to the 800 mark and increase wages and programs our focus now are um, knowledge-based jobs. So we have a number of jobs that are leading people into knowledge-based jobs like the the one that Ray holds with United Airlines in terms of accessibility testing. So I think that answers your question. Thank you, Janet. Um, so you've actually, you've actually covered a couple of my questions. So I'm going to actually skip down a bit here to one. So you, um, you mentioned this one. Um, so, what are what are um, what are some as you you know came through this? Um, what changes that happened during the pandemic have you have you kept in place? You know, what changes did you say? You know, this really works pretty well. A lot of places have done that. You know, the hybrid workforce and things like that, um, and. Uh, so what are some of the changes that you've kept in place? You mentioned a couple of them, I think, uh, but are there other things that you kept in place as a result of going through the whole pandemic? Yes. You know, it's interesting that, and again, a leadership tip, always be flexible and understand that I was, I was a skeptic with regard to remote work, thinking that, okay, are people going to actually work from home? Are they going to be dependable? <laughs> I know, Ray. I, I I was always a stickler for showing up. You know that I and um I be, and I just again you have to question yourself and your widely held beliefs when you're faced with a crisis and you have to make change and accept it. And um you're you know you can't imagine what could happen. And what happened is that we have a very productive workforce. We are um it, it, ever, our attrition rate is extremely, extremely low and very low, um, significantly lower than the call center industry for those call center employees as well. And those who are not in the customer care center, say in our advancement or financial development area or other areas, the attrition rate is very low. So I think having that extra day at home right now, aside for the call centers in leadership and other departments, we have when it's possible a one day work at home rule 
and um, some people are, um, it's, it's just a blessing for them to have that further work-life balance. So I think it's, it's a matter of questioning those widely held beliefs as a leader and restructuring. So we've held, held true to the remote work and developed a policy of one day of work primarily. Um, and then um, the, the remote workforce in the call centers. There are some call center um, agents and staff supervisors and managers who work on site. Uh, because they may have to be on site as managers, or they may not have the appropriate environment at home that's quiet, and they might have too many people living in their their home environment that they need to come into the office, or they just choose to be more social. You know, I think with the pandemic, um, we saw that people were uh, were lonely, and they were at home. There's there's a mental health crisis of loneliness. And it's ever more the case with people with disabilities who were, I found many of our um, employees who are blind were just afraid to go out and because they're tactile oriented and they just didn't want to risk touching something and contracting the virus. So it's, I think, um, so the remote work stayed, the telehealth, um, especially in psychological counseling able to reach a more remote uh, um, in client base uh, and also the bonds that have been built within the organization because of that. So mostly the telehealth. Also, we have a robust research unit and we are developing, I'm a researcher and um, I'm a scientist and I'm a scientist within the lighthouse as well. And um, what we are investigating are the development of remote based vision tests so that you can stay at home and your doctor can check on you if you have remaining vision and monitor the course of any vision loss that's existing. So you don't have to make your way into a clinic. So it changed our minds. It changed our workforce orientation and how we do business. And we have kept that on and it helped us develop greater efficiencies. So I'm going to go a little bit kind of off my script. I'm going to stay with the same questions I had, but so, so guys, I'm, I'm hearing a couple of real important things here. One is be flexible, be open to change. Sometimes things have to change. And that includes as leaders that we sometimes have to be open to changing the way we think about things, changing the way that we do things and in, in our, you know, you know, not, changing our style necessarily, but adapting our style to, to things. The second thing I'm hearing a lot from Janet this morning is the importance of teamwork. You, you, you can't do it all yourself. You have to have a team. You have to have a team you can trust. You have to have a team that's reliable. That's going to give you, that's going to tell you what you, maybe not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And those are two things that I'm really hearing this morning. Uh, from from this presentation, so so thank you for that. Um, I guess my last question for you, and then we'll throw it to the audience here a little bit because you've done such a great job of answering the questions that we we had for you. Um, are what are three tips that you would give to leaders faced with a challenge like? COVID and, you know, how, to, what are three tips you'd give to leaders for addressing, you know, addressing challenges that, that they might face? 
One tip is keep communication lines open and research yourself and have a team that's dedicated to addressing a crisis. So communication is key. Knowing the knowledgeable sources, keeping abreast daily, because really the COVID rules change daily and the questions that you needed to ask and how you would let people into the building and who would be allowed into the building, the the background, if people traveled, all of those things you needed to assess and develop different assessment measures for that purpose. We had to buy very fancy uh, um, thermometer systems to measure temperatures at our door our doors. Um, in the clinic, we had to have people on the outside. We only took two patients at a time and others who were waiting, they didn't wait in the waiting room, they waited in their cars outside. So developing new methods, keeping abreast of every changes, and when and also adapting our school in our school, although the mask, there's been a mask release of enforcing the required mask usage. In our school, we still have our masks because um, the, we have a vulnerable population of, of school children. So the Chicago Lighthouse has a, a therapeutic day school for children who are um, blind and visually impaired. 25% of our students are autistic, so they are both blind and autistic. It's a very niche um, program. And so we still have students who are on feeding tubes who are medically fragile. They cannot be mainstreamed in the school, so they still wear the masks. So one thing is keep those open lines of communication, know the resources, pay attention, do your research, never stop reading and learning and make contacts. You know, the know your resources, number two, um, use your connections. We have, we are in the Illinois Medical District, so we have alliances with Rush University Medical um, uh, uh, System, Health System, University of Illinois Health, and Cook County Strozier. We used all of those friends to get everyone vaccinated. And everyone in our organization was vaccinated within the first phase because I had to justify to the mayor, the mayor's office, that we were dealing with people who were blind and for the tactile aspect and the navigation requiring touch that it was essential that people who were blind needed to be vaccinated early on. So that was approved immediately. And Rush, Cook County, and UI Health took over vaccinating all of our employees and everyone in our community, employees and clients. So I think it's so important not to be shy. Get yourself out there. Make that phone call. And you'll be surprised that the doors will open and people understand if you present a rational argument. Because if you remember, it was it seemed to be every person for themselves to try to get vaccinated in, in January of 2021. It was not easy and you had to use every resource you had, but because we have such a great network at the lighthouse, um, we were able to bring um, that um, to bear. The next is never, ever, ever, ever consider anything above your pay grade. Um, it is, Something that I see that is the downfall of anyone who is looking for leadership and in leadership. And it's the first off put. You know, if you have someone on your team who's saying, oh, well, you know, you can't call me or text me on the weekend and you're a leader, you know, the specific is that you're a leader. 
or after five o'clock or um, it's, I, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's not something that is in my job description. That is the sure sign that you're not going to last long. Okay. Red flag, red flag, red flag. And <laughs> this person is not a leader. Um, they may have the credentials. They may have the degrees. They may have the resume, but they don't have the character. Um, leadership is all about being humble, going in there and doing what you need to do, leaving your ego at the door. Um, your credentials get you into the building, but your character allows you to remain in that duty. And, um, and, and that's so important. Um, so I think never saying that anything's beneath your pay grade, that you're willing to get your hands dirty. Um, and, you know, I, one of my, uh, the board tells me, and I'm learning in my years that we've grown larger as an organization. We've become more of a cor- corporation, nonprofit corporation. And so I have to come out of the weeds. I cannot be so detail-oriented. My orientation is to be in those weeds and to manage and to be highly involved. And as Ray knows, I always prided myself on knowing everyone's name. That's, you know, that's not the case anymore, Ray. And and um, that's not possible. But having a great management team under you and as President Obama always said, surrounding yourself with really capable people who are humble and talented and willing to get their hands dirty and manage their groups well. That's that's what we've become. So um, be willing to evolve, be flexible, never consider anything beneath your pay grade. And um, th- those are my recommendations. All right. Thank you. And I think I think implicit in that and something I think we all can work on a little bit more is listen, listen, listen. You know, we all got, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And sometimes uh, even, even believe it or not, even, even I forget that sometimes. And so we all need to to do that. And I, I really uh, think that's uh, great. Okay. Well, uh, Janet, thank you. Um, we're going to start the, um, we actually have quite a bit of time, although Janet needs to catch an Uber to catch a flight to go for a family reunion. And we're so glad she gave up some of her 4th of July weekend to be with us. So that part, you just said that it's part of leadership. She, um, she had no hesitation. I think one of the other things I just would briefly share that about Janet is that she, she is willing to listen and bring in people, even if they're, um, you know, maybe not at, you know, don't have say her education level or whatever. I mean, many a times I sat in her office as a, a, a blind leader and she would ask me, Hey Ray, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Or what would ICB think about this or that? And I, res- and, and I really appreciated that and respected that because that's another thing about leadership, N- admitting what you know, don't, don't pretend, you know, what you don't know. Um, and and being willing to call on the experts that can help you. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to take some Q and A. So um, what I think we'll, I'm going to start this off since we have a little bit of time, and then I want to let Donna take over. Do we have any hands in Zoom, Monica? We do. We have Peter right now. Thank you, Ray, and thank you uh, for your presentation. I'm really curious. Uh, uh, you sort of uh, talked about 
you leaving the, the lighthouse, uh, the last person out the door, talk about good leadership. And then you, you talked about coming back. And the next thing you talked about was, you know, the, the clock thing coming back into gear. And I'm sort of curious about what happened between the time that you returned and getting the uh, the clock business started, there must have been a whole bunch of research and conversations and figuring out how best to make this happen. Can you talk about that process? Sure. Between the time we shut down and then I came back? No, the, from the time you sort of, that you, you came back into the office. And okay. how did you know how to sort of, you know, you wanted, obviously you wanted to start your business again. You want to start the clock business, but yes. there must have been a whole bunch of decisions and things you needed to do to make that work. Yes. No, no, there were a lot of decisions and it was a matter of teamwork. That's when it was all hands on deck, getting everybody involved. And, and it was for, for me, a great challenge is, was bringing everybody together, making sure that the right people for the right activities. And we developed task forces for each activity and, um, took into consideration the leaders of each group, had meetings daily. Um, before we came back into the office, we had meetings, uh, phone conferences with leadership and the leaders of each of the division, divisions within the lighthouse. And so it was back-to-back phone conferences and then on-site meetings of the leaders. I also, um, with our HR director, there was nonstop phone calls for her with her team spreading out the low workload of, of contacting each of the employees to let them know what their course was going to be and when they would come back into the office. Um, that, that was, so it, there were a lot of phone calls. There were a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of preparation. And my goal was making sure that everybody received a paycheck. That was my number one priority and had a plan to come back into the office because we needed to have revenue. Um, and talk about all hands on deck. My husband and I went to every Best Buy in the city of Chicago buying headphones so that everyone could go back to remote work. And, you know, it, you could only buy a certain number at each store. <laughs> and they were wondering, why is this lady buying so many <laughs> headphones? But talk about all hands on deck, rolling up your sleeves. You know what you have to do and you develop a plan and you have to be uber organized. Um, But again, that's what we did during that time. And we used that phase approach to bring everybody back into full gear by June. Um, The only group that stayed out was our early intervention program. Our teachers um, remained remote for a year and that was allowable. But again, we needed to have the workforce safe. We needed to generate revenue, keep that revenue coming in to provide those paychecks. And um, that w- it's, we were able to accomplish it. And I consider it when I retire, that's one of my legacies at the Lighthouse that I'll be most most proud of. So thank you for your question. And you should be okay, proud of it. Take, let's take another one in Zoom. Okay. Next, we have Marsha. Thank you so much for your presentation, and I'll make this brief. Um, was the Lighthouse, you and the Lighthouse, at all involved with the uh, administration of uh, COVID testing or uh, distributing COVID tests for Great. blind and visually impaired people? Thank you. Great. Thank you, Marsha. No, um, we actually were a vaccination center. For the blind community at the lighthouse, we have the Department of Public Health 
um, giving shots. And then our UI Health Customer Care Center and our other health centers, we were making and scheduling COVID appointments. So we were doing it in-house regularly and providing to the community through the Department of Public Health in Illinois. And then um, also we were um, doing the COVID scheduling through our customer care center for UI Health. UI Health is one of our clients, as is North Shore University Health System, Cook County Health System. Um, and so we are we provide advocate health care. All of those are our clients, and we were able to help them schedule the COVID test. So, Marsha, does that answer your question? Yes. Yes, it did. Thank, okay, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. I'm going to, before we take questions in the room, I'm going to... Um, Personally, I want to say thank you, Janet, for coming today. You still have time to talk with her, but I need to leave. One thing about leadership is you get asked to do multiple things. So I need to go on to get ready for the American Council of Blind Lions luncheon. So I'm personally, Janet, I want to thank you for accepting this invitation. It was great to see you as it always is. And I you, I think you provided some good insights uh, for our folks this afternoon. So thank you so much for that. And I'm going to hand you off to Donna Brown, who will take you the rest of the way. Thank you, Lion Ray. Ray and I are both lions, so I am too. But you I, are, I can't Donna. be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, before Ray leaves, I just want to also bring out the fact, because I'll, I want to make sure ACB knows about this. And if Ray knows about it, everyone will know about it. We We will be cutting the ribbon on a 76-unit condominium building for people who are blind, visually impaired. It is mixed-income housing um, next June, and they're beautiful. It's on our campus, and so we want to make sure that you visit our website if you are at all interested, even if you it's not a commitment, but if you're interested in receiving our newsletter or signing up as you may have some interest in living in the building, please share the news, go to our website, you need to express interest now so you can get your name into the queue. And I I will tell you, they're beautiful apartments and they're part of the lighthouse. It's independent living, independent living, but you obviously can take advantage of the wraparound services at the lighthouse. So we are venturing to the housing business, Ray. (laughs) It's going to be fun. Another challenge. So everyone is invited. Um, I, hopefully, ACB will have it in its newsletter. I'll get the date to you, Ray. Okay. But Ray will be cutting the ribbon with us. All right. All right. Great. <laughs> okay. Our mic runner, do we have hands raised in the room? All right. I'm going to bring here. Um, give this gentleman. Hey, thank you. My name is Michael Talley from Birmingham, Alabama. Great presentation. Thank you so much for being here. I have two questions, but I'll wait. I'll just do one right now. And out of respect for everyone else, time permitting, I'll ask a second. The first one is I'm really interested to hear more about the services. You you talked about working with a local hospital. So do you guys do customer service or helping with billing? I'd just like to hear a little bit more about that, please. Thank you, Michael, for your question. So we do a a couple of different things. Um, We do, we do, um, information. We also do meta. So we give general information. So if someone calls up and they need to get to a room number of a loved one or someone that they know. So general information for the hospital hours and such, we do medical scheduling and um, that for, for UI health, for Cook County Stroger, um, for North Shore University health system. 
And um, also, we've developed um, a not-for-profit in Delaware, which um, where we work to help a smaller nonprofit who was um, at risk of closing and providing, they provided blindness services in the state of Delaware, which as you know, is a small state. There are only 900,000 people in the state, but there are people who are disabled. So we wanted to make sure their executive director called me and said, hey, I hear you have a customer service business. Can we partner? Well, we now have an enterprise there and we have 12 employees. We just received a very large grant of investment to begin the same kind of customer service industry in Delaware. Um, so it's medical scheduling, general information. We do registration. We also do wellness monitor um, and implement the wellness program. So people who work at Advocate Healthcare or their clients can get reductions on their premiums if they sign up for a wellness program to make sure that their biometrics are measured, that they're seeing their doctor, and they can get the premiums reduced. We manage that program for Advocate. We, we do surveys quality of life surveys for Cook County Stroger Hospital. And all of these are really, really interesting uh, jobs. We also do um, for the health crisis sexual harassment line for the state of Illinois. Um, we do uh, Secretary of State. You remember that people were waiting in line for their real IDs. Well, we, we took over the scheduling at each of the Secretary of State centers for the scheduling of so you can go in at a specific time and you won't have to wait in line for a lot hours. Uh, we do that. We manage the transponders for the Illinois Tollway. So that the Illinois to Tollway contract, if you call in to manage your violations, to pay your violations, or to renew your credit card on your transponder, you are calling an agent from the Chicago Lighthouse. So we are in, I guess you'd say, the payment industry, the health industry. We're expanding nationally to provide jobs to people in other states and taking that model. I just want to say one thing. Our digital accessibility experience experts, they worked with the engineers at Epic, which is a medical platform, and made that platform accessible for people who are totally blind across the world. Epic is the major health portal. Thank you. Thank you. Another major accomplishment, this team of five um, uh, computer experts who are blind at the light, totally blind at the lighthouse worked with the Epic engineers and completely remodeled the platform. So the Epic platform is the major portal used across the globe. And now people who are blind can have jobs in that totally blind in that industry because of those incredibly talented engineers and DAX experts from the lighthouse. Yes, next, uh, I'm going to give, so Michael, I'm going to move that here. Here we go. The Thank, you. Thank you. Do we oh, have another I, another question in, in the room? Diane, yes, I I have the microphone. Thanks. <laughs> um, so my question is, if you're involved in uh, providing customer service for so many businesses, how does the training work? I worked in a call center for 30 years and, you know, it was all our own people that trained us. And um, so, like, do you all learn all the businesses that you're teaching? your um, employees or do you bring people in from outside to do that? How do you do that with so many different um, career options? Wonderful question. Um, and I just want to say, it reminded me, Diane, that 30% of our leadership at the Lighthouse are mission-related employees. 
30% of the leaders. So, and specifically a significant group within our customer care centers. The tra- and some of our trainers are totally blind. So what it is, is train the trainer. The client comes in, trains our people, and then they train our employees and they're incredibly dedicated. And because we have people who are blind, they help others who are blind. So people who are blind in the training role, anyone knows Michael Hansen, he's one of our key trainers and he's a supervisor in our UI Health Call Center. Um, Kendra White is totally blind. She's our lead trainer in UI Health. Um, It's so important to have the experts. As I said earlier, content experts, putting them on the scene, providing the training. So we do all of our in-house training. Um, We are exploring remote training. Currently, our chief of operations is not a huge fan of remote training. So even if you end up working remotely, she's requiring people to come in and train on site. Um, while we beef up our um, remote training. And people are willing to do that if they know that they're ultimately going to be in their comfort of their homes eventually. So you're welcome. Wow. And I'm going to come over here. Okay. I'm uh, Bill, Bill Smith. I live at the Mary Bright home in Springfield, Illinois. And during the COVID pandemic, we had to eat all of our meals in our rooms. All this lasted over a year. Well, during that time, we weren't allowed to go up to the mailboxes. We weren't allowed to go into the activity room. We weren't allowed to go outside the building. Well, two months after the pandemic began a lot of us needed haircuts so one of our staff members agreed to cut hair because none of the petitions weren't allowed in the building she did this for about five months and then she was told that she couldn't cut hair unless she was six feet away from a person, the person. <laughs> so I knew another resident that cut his own hair, so I asked our activity director if she could order a slippers online from Amazon. So she did, and uh, I didn't realize I had a skill of cutting hair. Um, Well, I tried it with attachments because it came with five attachments. So I tried it with two. I didn't notice anything, but I tried it without the attachments, and I noticed Boy, this thing cuts really close. And uh, I've been doing it ever since. If you looked at my hair when I cut it, you'd think a professional barber did it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Um, we, we have we have some other questions. So if, if yeah. you could ask your question that, so we can move on, we'd appreciate it. So I learned it. A skill that I didn't know I had. Very, very good. 
Thank you. Um, one, I heard you say the term social enterprise, so I was wondering the definition of that word. But my real question is, it you didn't say the word goal setting, but it's clear to me that you, you needed to do a lot of that going along the way. And how did you have a a particular system that you used, or how you know how did you do your goal setting and, and accomplishment? The goal settings were all set within each division of the lighthouse, so the division leader had those goals, we worked out the goals together, and that individual managed the whole operation within their area. And if they had a concern, they would come back. So all the goals were managed, but in terms of a software program or project management software, if you're asking that, each division leader has their own project management software um, and, and kept two deadlines and activities to make sure that the phased, I was um, um, knowledgeable and I worked out the overall phased-in approach of when I thought people needed to come back in and worked with those division heads to see if that was reasonable and confirm that. But it was, it was as I said, on-site with the division heads or early on before we came back in, working with them daily on the phone to work out the details. And social enterprise, it's the, the social enterprise, so the business, any profits, go into supporting the social mission. If you know Illinois doesn't have a lot of money for social services, it's getting better, but especially for the children's programs, but it doesn't, we knew that we had to support our, our programs, our, our adult living skills programs for adults who are intellectually or developmentally delayed and who are blind. We realized when we shut down the parents were outraged eventually with it. They said, you have to get this program back up and running because you're the only one in the state. We learned by the shutdown that we are the only one for adults community day program who are blind and developmentally disabled in the state. And that's criminal. We shouldn't be the only one in Chicago. There should be throughout. There should be one in Springfield. All right. I'm moving on. Yes, I have. a. Um, first of all, I got a comment. Then I've got a question. Um, I worked for, I work at a hospital in Kentucky, or I did work at a hospital in Kentucky that used Epic quite a bit, and I'm totally blind, and I was so thankful when I heard that it was you guys who made it possible for blind folks to use Epic with JAWS. Um, my question is, um, do you, would you hire out of state um, for those who worked remotely in, in the lighthouse? First of all, I want to say thank you for saying that. And I'm going to give you my card if you could email because I'd love the testimonial that you were working with Epic because I want to tell the guys that they help someone in this way and make that connection with you if you're willing. Um, and secondly, we do. We do hire people from out of state. We have people in California. We have people, as I mentioned, in Delaware through our alliance program there and in other states. Um, it may be and when we do do some remote training, it's thought not if a person lives in another state, um, but it's not the general trend, but we're happy to do that. And we do make accommodations for people who are from out of state. They come in for a couple of weeks, train, and then they go back home. So I'm going to give you my card at the end of the session, okay? What is your name? Benjamin. Great to meet you. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you. My question is, are your positions in the call centers, full-time, part-time, or do they vary? All of the above. The easy answer. And if you're interested in applying, again, 
Um, it's you can apply online. We have many customer service. We the business is growing. We're always and having a new call center being launched. We just launched for Near North Healthcare Center um, two weeks ago. And um, so there's always the opportunity and we promote from within to supervisory manager positions. So we're always looking for entry-level positions as well. So part-time, full-time. And you know what's interesting? We have a lot of seniors who just want to work on Mondays and Tuesdays and they don't want to work the rest of the week. So it works out perfectly for us because in call centers, Mondays and Tuesdays are the most busy. And, you know, you can work 20, you work, you can work your 20 hours on a Monday and a Tuesday. I'd like to just get some information on how you go about working with some of those that have become shut-ins because we have a population on in Hawaii. My name is Roberta, by the way, and I work with a lot of um, visually impaired and blind, but I'm actually a psychiatrist on two islands, so I go back and forth. And even though the shutdown happened, it didn't happen in the hospitals. And I've seen a lot of people, I had to do home visits. And especially on the Big Island, it's a very rural area. So I just would like some information if I can get from you at the end, if possible. Okay, thank you. Connect. I know the Big Island, my my husband's family, they're a family of geologists, and so he spent his childhood on the big island. Um, and, um, yeah, so I know it well, love it. You know, um, earlier you mentioned uh, remote training. Is there any chance of you folks looking at doing some remote training in Hawaii? Um, cause I'm from Hawaii. You know, absolutely. And you might be the first, you know, a, a group that will really develop more fully are remote for all of our customer care centers um, because we do want to, as I said, expand the national presence and employ people with disabilities uh, across the globe. Uh, and as Chicago Lighthouse, that's one thing our board is very inspirational. They're very open-minded. I call them enlightened and they never say, they always function on the presumption of yes. So, and you can work it out. And I think we've proven the case that we can do what we set out to do. So I would love to, I'm going to give you my card as well. And um, if you are interested and you can inspire our chief operating officer, because if I say we're going to Hawaii, she'll say, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Site visit essential. All right. I'm coming back here. You both have your hands up. I'm going to start. All right. I have um, one question. Actually, two. Uh, the first, um, do you have any use for a uh, RN that has lost her vision? And if so, could I get one of your cards as well? Thank you. And the second question is an organization as large as the Lighthouse, um, I'm sure is come across with the issue of those that make comments that are harmful to new leaders coming up, such as, oh, they probably didn't check their email. Oh, I guess they're late again, even though they may not know all the facts. Um, is there a way that the person that is the target of that could uh, kind of help them understand how that is harmful for them wanting to take leadership and how you could, uh, if you notice a fellow uh, colleague doing that, how you could approach that. 
That's a great question. You know, I always say get the all the facts before you're making the decision and don't jump to conclusions. Um, and it, at the Lighthouse, we have a chief compliance officer and who's very open to hearing issues that are coming up and and it, um, and they could be anonymous or, or not. Um, but I think it's important that that person go to their supervisor and, and let them know that it's harmful. You know, it's always best to have the conversation. Here's the information. Here's where I'm coming from. Here's my perspective. And at the Lighthouse, we, we are going through a team optimization approach. And we have a, a coach who is helping our team learn how to engage optimally with each other. And I think you're, you know, you always need to have that check. Are you, you might be, you, you might have a different style that might be insulting to someone else. And so to have that, it might um, get, encourage your leaders to have such, bring in a psychologist, bring in a, um, someone who's an expert in, in executive coaching uh, coaches have that experience and letting people know it's harmful, it's corrosive to morale within an organization. If that that's micromanaging someone and it's may not be appropriate. Hi, my name is Julie. Um, presentation was excellent. And I just want to say many lighthouses are just involved in, you know, industry work. I am so impressed with the social service stuff that you guys are doing, all the entities you're covering. It's impressive. So Thank you very much. I've been involved in the a lighthouse from my state, which is also doing some great things. But you guys just cover every entity possible. I'm curious, the young children, the preschool that you have, and the scene and the old, you know, program for older adults, the community program, are they money making entities for you or are they primarily just service? That's a great point. Um, they break even, okay, which is great. Um, before the overhead, and then the overhead comes from any profits from the social enterprise. There are programs that are just below deficit, and that deficit is covered by the social enterprise um, so that we're a self-sustaining organization and we have an endowment that will cover us for the next 100 years. You know, so that that's so important. That's fiscal management, right? The key of leadership. You want to comment? Oh, I'm going to get you a card. I don't, I have my carpets in my purse and I'm going to come and scoot around and give them out. Okay. One more question. And then I scoot with the cards. How on earth do you motivate the, the people that are doing remote work? Because sometimes they could get distracted by not wanting to do their work, you know, and handing, you know, getting everything done on time. So how do you kind of keep them motivated and keep them interacted with the company? A lot of different things. So we have in-house events where we bring people in and we have bands. We had big suits, which is a talking heads wannabe band come in at the holiday party. So we have a holiday party and then we have a lighthouse palooza in the summer where we bring in food trucks. We have an employee engagement event in January. So we're bringing people in, but on an everyday basis, we, during training, our managers meet the people that they oversee and they have constant contact with their managers. We use Microsoft Teams as the platform. So the managers are constantly saying, how are you doing? And they, they actually are also seeing the key performance indicators on the dashboard. So they're able to see if the person's on the phone or if they're, they've signed off. And they, they make those connections. So you really have to rely on a good training 
and really good people who are people, people um, who want to connect with others. Um, I have an individual, she is a manager in our tollway call center and she texts me every day with an inspirational message. I said, Oh my gosh, I love this. Um, and just these beautiful inspirational messages. And she, she does that with her team. And I think that goes a long way just saying, okay, how are you doing? Um, what's going on and what can I help you with? What can I help you with? What can I, how can I make your job easier? goes a long way. So with that, thank you so much for listening today. Um, you know, I I also want to see more applications from people who are blind at the lighthouse. Um, as I said, and, um, we are, we are always looking for, to build that leadership. We more, we have more people who are blind in our organization that we've ever had in our 117 history. And, And that is a goal of the board. That's a strategic objective to increase those numbers of people with disabilities. So I'm now ready to hand out the cards and we're finished. Thank you for listening. Thank you. I was just going to thank Janet for being here. And and after Janet hands out her cards, uh, we'll, we'll close with, you know, the CEO code and a few announcements, but Janet kind of has to scoot. So if there's any, uh, Janet, I just want to ask you a quick question while you're passing out cards. So, you know, in leadership, (laughs) we all get caught up in, in what we have to do. Uh, part of being a leader is to sort of have time for yourself. So Janet, just as you're handing out cards, what what does Janet do in her free time for fun? What I do is I'm a skier, I'm a a runner. The running is the best in the world um, because it gives, it raises those endorphins and that's where my ideas come from. (laughs) So I recommend running It's you know, you just, the cost is a pair of sneakers. And you just get yourself out there. It changes your mindset. And, you know, a happy person is a productive person. So that's number one is running. I also have uh, a daughter who is a graduate student. She's getting her PhD in clinical psychology. And she is um, minoring in disability studies. So she, her aim is to do what I do one day. And I'm very proud of that. So it's coaching my daughter, mentoring others. And, um, it, it's so important. I'm part of a women's empowerment group, um, mm. for future female leaders, because I think that's critically important too. So that's what I do in my spare time. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as Janet's handing out cards, um, Monica, do you have the closing CEU code? I, I do. Okay. The, the closing CEU code is five, eight, six, nine, seven. Again, the closing CEU code is five, eight, six, nine, seven. Thank you, Miss Donna. Thank you. So if you didn't, didn't get your question answered, or if you maybe thought of a question after we close, you can always send your questions or, you know, whatever to community at acb.org. And have them get in touch with Ray Campbell or me or, you know, somebody. And we can get the questions to Janet and and we'll go from there. Thank you, Monica and Herbie. And I'm not sure who else, but thank you most importantly, Janet, for being here. Thank you.